Good evening. Welcome, Living Word Community Church. How are you tonight? Oh, it's great to have you here in this special night, somber night, really. Let's bow our heads in our hearts and just thank the Lord for this time we have. Father, we thank you for an opportunity again to gather into your presence, Lord, and we just thank you for this fellowship you've created, Lord. We know each one of us you have saved one by one, Lord. You gave yourself for us. You thought about us, Lord, and that is a precious thing. And Father, we want to center our hearts and our minds tonight upon Jesus on the cross and his resurrection Sunday, Lord. And Father, we just pray that you would reveal more of yourself, more truth in these songs that we sing, more truth in this time of introspection as we sing, Lord, more truth from your holy word, Lord God. And Father, we just ask that you would show us yourself and allow us to see how great your love is, Lord, and how amazing you truly are. We know we can see some of it, Lord, and we know that we see through glass dimly while we're here, Lord, but there will be a day soon when we see you face to face. And God, Father, we just ask that you would just allow our hearts to rest in that precious hope and truth through the promise of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Your burden of sin. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the land. There is power, power, wonder in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's time. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be wider? Would you be wider, much wider than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Are lost in his life giving clothes. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the land. Power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the land. Would you do service? Would you do service for Jesus your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power, oh, wonderful power. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. Power, wonder, wacky, 
the precious blood of the Lamb. One more time. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. I don't know. I think I have to ask the Lord to uh, redeem us from our clapping. That was rather sad, I think, but we'll do better in this song, I hope, right? Hopefully. <laughs> I hear a great tambourine, but I was like just a blur of, oh my gosh. <laughs> we strive for excellence, even in our clapping. Oh, yeah. Much better. Thank you, Lord. He is holy. We stand and lift up our hands. Oh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. Together we sing. Everyone sing. Oh, is the Lord God Almighty? The earth is filled with His glory. Oh, is the Lord.
filled with your glory. The earth is filled with your glory. Your creation cries out, Lord. Holy is our Lord, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Thank you, Jesus. Someone's crying out, Abba, Father. I heard that.
surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red in my sin washed white. I owe to you. I owe to you. Yes, I owe to you. I owe to you. for being our Savior, for giving yourself so totally, Lord, so completely, for creating just an amazing, an amazing story, Lord God, in your gospel, for allowing us to see you surrender yourself, Lord God, allow your blood to be shed. We truly don't understand it, Lord God, but we know that we are saved by your blood. It's part of your plan, Lord precious truth we fix our eyes on you Jesus it is your blood that cleanses me it's your blood that cleanses me it's your blood that gives me life it's your blood that took my place in redeeming sacrifice washes me whiter than the snow than the snow my Jesus God's precious Let's sing that together again. It's your blood, Lord, that cleanses me. It's your blood that cleanses me. It's your blood that gives me life. It's your blood that took my place in Washes me whiter than the snow, than the snow, my Jesus, God's precious. 
It's the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood. your blood, Lord, my Jesus, God's precious sacrifice. song, right? It really expresses what he's done for us. So Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for you giving us the greatest gift that has ever been given, your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know that it wasn't man that put you on that cross, though, Lord, in the evil intents, but it was you who went to the cross willingly. You said that 
No one takes your life from you, but you lay it down freely and willingly. And you laid your life down on that cross for us 2,000 years ago. You hung there six hours that Friday. You took those three nails, Lord God, into your hands and into your feet. And Lord God, you cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For you were forsaken on that cross and you suffered a hell on that cross, Lord God, so that we would never have to suffer hell. You suffered condemnation so that we would never have to experience condemnation. And Lord God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for that. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great sacrifice. We thank you for your blood. Lord Jesus, we thank you that when that moment came, you said it was finished and you gave up your spirit. Lord God, we thank you for all of that good Friday. And in Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Hey, welcome one another before you're seated. God bless you all for being here. The kids can go. announcement I have today is that we will be here on Sunday. Sunday is a, I guess it's a special day. We'll be here on Sunday to worship the Lord. I'd say there, get here early because we will be filled. And then there's other places that we will put people in the church to, uh, you know, to follow and to be a part of the service. So those kids in the front row, if they're going to heckle, Get them out of here. Those are my grandkids. Let's have the ushers come forward. We'll take an offering. We will share communion at the end of service today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. Opportunity to give to you, Lord God. You're the one who gave us the very best. It's a privilege and honor to give to our God who gave us his all. Lord God, receive these tithes and offerings. Use them for your glory. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. It's your blood that cleanses me. It's your blood that gives me life. It's your blood that took my place in redeeming sacrifice. It washes me. than the snow than the snow my Jesus God's precious sacrifice my Jesus my Jesus God's precious Oh. 
you had a wonderful day today. I hope you took time to just focus on the great gift that God has given you through Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk to you tonight, the blessings of the cross, and I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8, 31 through 32, the blessings of the cross. You can stand with me for the reading of the word. Here in Romans 8, 31 through 32, it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us Everything else. So there's a, a lot here in this passage. I pray that you would open your hearts to receive. Because there's just abundant blessings. That God will pour right into your heart tonight. So Heavenly Father, open up our hearts wide. Lord God, let us just tug on them and pull them a little wider tonight in faith. To receive, Lord the great blessings that, Lord, have come to us through the cross of your Son 2,000 years ago that still flow, Lord, into our lives from that great event and that, Lord God, will even, Lord God, flow into our lives in the future and to all eternity. So, Jesus, we pray this night, open our hearts that we would receive and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, if you look at your text... I want you to, to notice here, it's, it's a word sandwich. And if you look at verse 32, it says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. That's talking about the cross. That's talking about Good Friday, 2,000 years ago at Calvary. Six hours that day, Jesus hung on the cross and he laid down his life for us. So it's, it's a reference again talking about the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, again, at Calvary. Now, if you look up at the top, it says, such wonderful things. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? And what Paul, being led by the Spirit of God, is doing here, he's talking about all these things that he has laid out in Romans 1 through Romans 8, verse 30. So there are all these things that have already been given to us, that God has poured out into our lives, all these things that have already, again, been given. Then, down at the bottom of verse 32, he says, won't he also give us everything else? So I call it, a, again, a word sandwich. There's the cross in the middle, and all the blessings, all the wonderful things that have come to us, and then 
everything else that will come to us. And that's how I want to approach the message tonight. I'm going to talk to you about such wonderful things, and then the last part of the message is everything else. So the first, the first part, such wonderful things. Again, these are the things that have already basically been given to us. They have been given to us right from the very beginning, okay, of when Jesus cried out, it is finished. They're still flowing uh, to us today. They, they are blessings that need to be claimed. If I gave you $10,000, right, but um, you had to claim it, you wouldn't have it until you claimed it. There are blessings that God has given us that I believe many people sitting here tonight have never claimed by faith. They need to be claimed, they need to be cherished, they need to be enjoyed, they need to be received into our lives. Because there again, there's these wonderful blessings. I want to share with you a story. A number of years ago I saw was on Eyewitness News, a woman in New York City who was homeless and she was basically eating out of garbage cans. And the reporter had, had done some work. She, she apparently was work, doing or living outside of the Eyewitness News building and he did some research and what he found out about this woman, the woman actually had half a million dollars in her bank account. But she was picking through garbage cans, eating garbage. And when I saw that, I said, that, that reminds me at times of, of Christian people in the churches who have been given a tremendous blessing and a tremendous inheritance, but yet they've never claimed it. They're not, they're not living in it. And they're picking garbage out of garbage cans, eating garbage. So again, these, these are, are blessings that have to be received. They have to be claimed to actually be experienced. So the first, the first is justification. So I'm going to take you back to Romans 3.23, where it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone, we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we have been justified. To be justified is to be declared innocent. It's a legal term, right? To be essentially, it is a term that speaks about to be found not guilty. It is not pardoned. A person who is pardoned is guilty, and then they are pardoned of the penalty. They're still guilty of the crime, but they're pardoned of the penalty. To be justified is to be declared innocent of the crime, and then to be set free from the penalty. And again, through Jesus Christ, by his grace, it is something that is free. It cannot be earned. It cannot be bought. It cannot be worked for. All the religious gymnastics in the world can never give it to you. It has been given freely by His grace. It is something we don't deserve. I say this to you. Mercy is we do not get what 
we do deserve. And grace is God gives us what we don't deserve. There's a little difference between the two. And we have been again declared justified, okay, through grace, through the redemption. And redemption is a word, apolutros. It speaks about basically being ransomed. He has paid the price of our ransom. There was a price that had to be paid, and that price was paid on that one Black Friday when Jesus died on the cross, and he paid the price in full. So we have been declared innocent, as though we have never sinned by his grace, through his redemption, so we are no longer guilty. Now, I don't know about you, that is one of the greatest offers that I have ever been presented with in my life, that I could receive complete forgiveness, justification by something that Jesus did for me on the cross. And I'll tell you, that is something we should be thankful for, not once a year on Good Friday, but every day. I don't know about you, but every day I write out a prayer of thanksgiving to God, and I give him thanks for his blood, for his sacrifice, for his mercy, for his grace, for his forgiveness, for his redemption, for his reconciliation, for adopting me as his son. Number two, peace with God. So in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God, to be at a place of peace with God. Before I came to Jesus 40 years ago, I was an enemy of God. Didn't quite realize it, but I was living at, essentially, like it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, I was living at enmity with God. I was in opposition. Didn't want to be bothered with him. Wanted nothing to do with him. Did not, did not believe in him or his son or his word. I was a rebellious person just living out my own will. I was essentially at a place where, again, I was an enemy of God. And God, through the death of Jesus, he brought me to a place of peace. Good picture here. If you go to the cross, you will see everybody at the foot of the cross is a sinner. Everybody. Not just the Roman soldiers who nailed him to the cross. Not just the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, right, who created a false trial and accusations against him. Uh, not just the two thieves hanging on his left and his right, even John the Beloved, the one who Jesus loved, was a sinner. So was Mary his mother. Read the Magnificat in Luke chapter 1, and you see Mary, she calls God her Savior. If she had no sin, why would she need a Savior? It's the Word of God and not the traditions of men. But here, here are, again, sinners all at the foot of the cross. Above the cross is a holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is holy, he is pure. There is not a hint of sin or unrighteousness in him. 
How can a sinful man be able to be reconciled and come to peace with a holy God? But there in the middle hangs Jesus Christ six hours that Friday and he becomes the bridge, the bridge of peace that can reconcile sinful man to a holy God and bring them to a place of peace. Now, I don't know about you, that is something to be thankful for, not just once a year, but every day. The third is the love of God. And in Romans chapter 5, 6 through 8, it tells us, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice he demonstrated his own love for us. You know, people will come to me and say, how do you know that God loves you? I was in a dojo a couple weeks ago and it's amazing as we can be training together banging our heads against each other that the man I was training with he he just stopped and I was saying God loves you and he said how do you know that God loves you and I said well the Bible tells me so but he said but but how do you really know that God loves you and um I said well Jesus said he loves me but he said, but, but, but just saying that, how do you know that he truly loves you? And I said to him, because he showed me that love by dying for me on the cross. Jesus carried my cross that day. Jesus laid his life down freely on my cross. Jesus took three nails that were meant for my hands and my feet into his body. And Jesus, he hung on the cross six hours for me. And Jesus took my hell upon himself. When he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? He was abandoned on the cross. That is what hell is. Hell is to be a completely abandoned by God. Some people say now, oh, you know what? I don't believe in God anyway. He's not in my life. I'm an atheist. But you know the, the moments of joy that you experience, the moments of peace that you experience, the moments of happiness that you experience in this life, even as I did as an atheist, they are all gifts of God. And hell, they will all be withdrawn. There will be no love in hell. There will be no peace in hell. There will be no joy in hell. There will be no happiness in hell. It's darkness. It's described as fire. The people in hell are gnashing their teeth in anger. In anger. But Jesus took my hell upon himself on the cross. And Jesus died in my place. The cross is the place where we ultimately experience the love of God. There is no greater revelation that you will find. Even the empty tomb 
the resurrected Jesus. The greatest place we will experience the great sacrificial love of God is on the cross. If you don't love him enough, and if you examine yourselves at times as I do, and sometimes I confess to the Lord, I do not love you enough. Lead me to Calvary. Let me go and just just meditate. Let me spend some time reading Isaiah 52 or 53 or Psalm 22 or just the last chapters of the Gospels. Let me just meditate again on what you did for me on the cross. And what that does is that wells up the love of God in my heart. So again, his great love is not something that we just give thanks for once a year. It is something we should be thankful for every day. Number four, eternal life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word there, eternal life, at times we think of eternal life is life never ending. And there's a truth to that, but it carries with it much more. Eternal life is a quality, not just a quantity of life. Eternal life is abundant life. It is the abundant life of God. A, a, a life that is, again, filled with love and filled with joy and filled with peace. That can touch that deepest part of our hearts, our heart of hearts, Every day with that life. And we can be experiencing a taste of that life, an hors d'oeuvre of that life in this life. And we will ultimately experience it in its fullness in the next life. The fifth, no condemnation. It says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Condemnation, it involves guilt. Condemnation involves fear. Condemnation involves shame. And if you, if you look here, you see where it says, who walk according to the Spirit, not the flesh. They walk in that, that higher nature than the lower nature. The person who is walking in that higher nature, and I think a lot of times when we talk about Walking in the Spirit, we think of you know walking obediently. That's true, right? Following Jesus on the straight and narrow, not not diverting off and wandering off into sin. There's truth to that, but there's there's more to it. When we walk according to the Spirit, and it's it's a it's a beautiful thing. We're walking by faith, and the grace and the love of God is flowing into our lives. It's flowing over our lives like like billows of of water. It's flowing into our lives continuously. And that flow of grace, that flow of love, that flow of mercy that's flowing into our life, what it does is it just totally washes away the condemnation and the guilt because condemnation and guilt can still occur in a believer's life. Have you ever sinned against the Lord and felt guilty? But when you're walking in the Spirit, that, 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 again, that grace flows in and it just again washes away the guilt and the condemnation. And again, to me, that is something I am wonderfully thankful for every day. And number six, sons of God. In Romans 8, verse 14 through 17, it says, 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You know why it doesn't say daughters of God? Who got the inheritance in the Jewish family in the time of Jesus? It was the son. By the way, ladies, you are sons. You're, 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 you're sorry about the woke, the woke folks aren't going to like that, but I don't care. I'm not woke. But we are, we are all sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. Little Charlotte, our granddaughter, is yelling out, da, 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 Abba. That's Abba. That's, that's, Abba is the Jewish term for daddy. So the Jewish family across the street from us, the little kids one morning, it was a beautiful thing. I'm reading Romans chapter 8, and I hear the little boy as he's going off to school, Abba, Abba, Abba. It's, it's an intimate term. My, my children call me dad. My children. Speaks about a very special relationship that a father has with a child, that a child has with a father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit of God assures us. You know, I say, if you give your life to Christ, maybe some of you will give your life to Christ tonight. You never need to have anybody tell you, oh, now you're a Christian. I don't need somebody to come and tell me, oh, Frank, you know, you're going to heaven. In fact, I, I tell people never to tell people that. You know, come to the altar, they pray a prayer, oh, you're going to heaven. The Holy Spirit will do that. The Holy Spirit will give you the assurance that you are a child of God, that you have been forgiven, that you have been justified, and that on the day that you die, you will go to be with him forever and ever. That's the assurance of salvation. I've done hundreds of funerals. There is a big difference between a funeral of a believer and a funeral of an unbeliever. I want to assure you of that. I don't, I don't care how cocky the unbeliever is when they will say when they're healthy and everything is well and they're saying, I'm not fearful of death. And then they get close and all of that changes. And I have watched believers go through those last days and hours with a joy, looking forward to go home to be with the Lord Harriet Davis. We just did Harriet's funeral a few weeks ago. Let me tell you, Harriet Davis, she's a woman, she was a member of this church for 30 years. A teacher, Sunday school teacher, just a, a, mother, a mother to many in the church. And amazing, she lived all the way up in Waldwick, New York, Cornwall, New York, when we, Sue and I drove up there to do the funeral, we were amazed that this 81-year-old woman was driving all the way along the, the, the cliffs of the Hudson River. It was incredibly, incredibly dangerous. We, I tell you, we were having to be very careful driving up there, and she would come all the way down here to Living Word Community Church week after week. I mean, a woman who loved Jesus. She didn't need to be motivated. You didn't, hear, didn't need to have a special event for her to be here. Didn't need to be a fellowship Sunday. Harriet loved the Lord and loved to come here and worship the Lord. There's that people who live down the street and they can't get here for a worship service. It's something with the heart. She loved the Lord in her heart. And we were with Harriet Oh, a few weeks before she went home to be with the Lord up at Valley Hospital and she looked at Sue and I and you know what she said? I want to go home to be with the Lord. 
no fear. Right? I want to go home to be with Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful thing. That's the assurance of the Holy. Only the Holy Spirit can give you that kind of assurance. It's supernatural. It's a wonderful thing to have. And then in verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. But we have an inheritance. There is a great inheritance that God has for us. I'll touch on that in just a moment. And then number seven, the workings of God for good in all our life. Romans 8.28, if you don't know it, you should memorize it. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His Spirit. He's working all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sometimes you have to walk with Him for a while to see that. He will take even the most painful, the most difficult things, things that render your heart Things that can cause you to be in tears for days. And he will take them and he will use them for good. Those who love him have been called according to his purpose. And then number eight, being conformed to his image. Romans 8.29 For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. If you're wondering what God is trying to do in your life, all these different things that are happening in your life, how he's taking them and he's using them for the purpose of making you more and more like Jesus every day. You are clay in the hand of the potter and he is molding you and he is shaping you. Whether you are resisting him or whether you are yielding to him, if you are a true believer, that is what he is doing in your life. That's his ultimate purpose. To make you more and more like Jesus in love, in holiness, in compassion, in strength, in excellence, in all those beautiful different attributes that we see in our Lord. I love to grow. To me, growth is, is the great adventure of life. To constantly be working to better myself in, in all different areas. And how wonderful it is that I have a Lord who has his hands on my soul and my mind and my body and he's working in all these different areas of my life to make me more and more like him. So that is what the Lord is doing in your life. That is what he's done. That is the blessing that is coming to you from the cross tonight. Again, you have to, you have to receive those blessings. You have to claim them and grab onto them. I keep saying Learn to be thankful for a blessing. Learn to be thankful day after day for his blood. Learn to be thankful every day for his justification. Learn to be thankful every day that you are a son of God. You'll find that then those blessings begin to really manifest in your life. Second part. Everything else. Everything else. So he says here... In verse 31, 
What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? So there's a whole lot more coming. A whole lot more blessing coming. Raphael preached on Wednesday night. He did a wonderful job sharing the word of God about the resurrection. And he was standing with me just before service and he looked at me and he said, how do you break things down, right? There's so much. How do you just kind of break? And I said, you know, tonight I've had to do a lot of chopping away. I've chopped away on this message all week long because I would keep you here until Sunday morning with all the things that you have coming for you. So I I had to cut it down. Let me just share with you a few. Some from Romans, some from some other passages of Scripture. Victory. Right in the next verse, what does he say? Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are victors in Christ. The world right now, right, it's playing on this concept. Everybody is a victim. Right? The Democrats are victims. No, the Republicans are victims. No, the liberals are victims. No, the conservatives are victims. Women are victims. Men are victims. We're all poor victims. And the Word of God says that we are victorious in Christ. We are more than conquerors. We need to live in the victory of Jesus every day. And that is, again, that is a choice. Second, blessing, security. That we are secure in Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 8, 37 through 39. I'm going to go back to verse 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate us from the love of God that has come to us through Christ? Nothing. 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 That is security. That is security. The devil's there. He's, he's, he's working. He's working in all my life. He's working in our lives, right? The world is working. But that, they will never prevail against the love that has come to us from God through Jesus Christ. Number three, gain. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What would you put there if you removed Christ right now to be honest You're in church, you should be honest. For to me to live is, for to me to live is my career. For to me to live is sports, entertainment, sex, alcohol, drugs, pleasure. What would you put there? That's really a, a test of a true Christ. If you have anything else in that place, you need to come to Jesus Christ. For me to live as Christ and to die, what would you put? To die is loss. Right? To die is fear. To die is terror. To die is gain. 
to die is again, you know, I talk to sometimes older people and as they get older, getting old is terrible. Getting old is horrible. Getting old is, is not good. But they, right now, you see, they don't have anything to look forward to. They don't have anything to look, we, we need, like we like to look forward, like you looked forward maybe tonight to Good Friday, you look forward to, to Resurrection Sunday, tomorrow, Nathaniel, my one-year-old grandson, we're celebrating his birthday, my kids will be there, we look forward, we look forward to that, right, we look forward to Christmas, we look forward to Easter, we look forward to the 4th of July, we have this longing to, to have something to look forward to. Well, well, as Christians, we have something great to be looking forward to, and that is eternal life. Amen. It's gain. It's gain. Number four, glory. Everything else, glory. Look at, look at John chapter 3, verse 2. This is glory. A lot of times it says God is going to, to bestow his glory upon us. He's sharing his glory with us right now. What is the glory? Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. He's talking about Jesus. We're not going to be God. <laughs> There's only one God. But to be like him in his glorified state, to be like him in his resurrected state, that is a glorified body that does not age, it does not get sick, it does not suffer from disease, it does not get tired, it even can eat, right? He ate fish. Had a little bit of the honeycomb and a little bit of fish when he appeared to the disciples that night, right after he was raised from the dead, and it didn't fall through him. He had a body. I would think too, you can eat and not have to worry about getting fat. <laughs> we will have a glorified soul. Think about our minds. Our minds wander. Our minds at times can be aimless. Our minds can be anxious. Our minds can be fearful. We will have a mind like Jesus' mind in his glorified state. And that is a mind that is in perfect peace, perfect just tranquility, serenity. And we will have a perfect spirit. And that is a perfect spirit in communion with God. We commune with God now, but at times I get distracted. I can be in the presence of the Lord. It's interesting. I have wonderful mornings with Jesus, breakfast with Jesus every morning, and I, I sit there in his presence, and I read the word, and I pray, and I'm in this wonderful presence. It's a really incredible experience. It's the most wonderful experience that I've had. I've been doing it every day for 40 years. Sometimes it can be an hour. Sometimes it could be three hours. But being in the presence of Jesus, and then I'll begin to go into preparing a sermon. I have to start thinking a lot, searching the scriptures, reading the passage in Greek or reading it in Hebrew, looking at the historical back. And it's amazing how I could be in the scriptures doing that and suddenly realize I'm not experiencing his presence as I was when I was just in that, in that deep prayer. Not to mention many other times where it wanders off even further than that. But there will be perfect, just perfect connection, just, a, just perfectly in tune. And that is, I believe, truly a, a glorified spirit. 
Number five, immortality. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 54, 55. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Immortality, victory over death, victory over hell, Hades. What happens to a believer when they die? What happens to a, what does scripture say happens to a believer? So essentially, physical death is separation of the soul from the body. Okay, there's a separation when a person dies. Some wonderful books that have been written, my daughter has really gotten into this, that gives tremendous scientific evidence that there is a soul that leaves the body. <laughs> In John 11, 25-26, Jesus said this, when he went up to the, the graveside of Lazarus, he said to her, he's talking to Martha here, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. We read that, he's the resurrection, we're thinking about the bodily resurrection, but then he says, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? There is a, there's a, essentially a word here that it's talking about, right, there is a resurrection of the body but there is also a resurrection of the soul. That when a, when a believer dies, their soul is resurrected and it goes to be with the Lord. An unbeliever dies. And they go to hell. You say, well that's a terrible thing that God... But let me just say this to you. If there was a person in your life who wanted nothing to do with you, they basically were rebellious against everything that you believed, everything you stood for, every principle. They basically rejected you. They reject your children. Would you want them in your house? I don't think so. I'm not quite sure they'd ever want to be in your house. That is hell. Do you think God is going to take people who wanted nothing to do with them, with him all through their life? They wanted nothing to do with him. They did not want to be bothered with him. They, they resisted him. And by the way, listen, he is working to draw people. He is working every day to draw people to himself. Whether they're in church or they're not, he's working through all kinds of circumstances. Some of them are painful to bring that person to him. And they resist, and they don't want anything to do with him. They don't want to be bothered with him. They don't want to hear from him. Do you think he's suddenly, right, when they die, going to grab onto them? They still have the same soul. The same, the same desires are still there. Oh, yeah, I'm going to drag you into heaven. You bring that person into your house. Imagine you're, you're taking a, a gang leader, and you're bringing him into your house. What kind of disturbances are you going to have in your house? No. You want to be separated from me, there's a place that you can go and be totally separated from me all eternity, and that is hell. I just want to tell you something. Hell is actually an act of God's love. People say, how could hell? Because everything God does is in love. But hell is an act of God's love. Because if God took that person against their will, He's going to say, I'm going to drag you and put you into my heaven. I'm going to put a ball and chain on your leg and put you in a cage. Would that be love? No. He frees them. You want to be away from me? You want to be in a place totally separated from me? 
then you can go there. And that is, again, it is an act, it is an act of his love. The believer dies, and what happens is, again, their soul separates from their body, and the angels come. And the angels usher that person into the presence of God. And people say, well, well where is that? When I've taught this, well, where is that in the scriptures, right? The, the believer dies and their soul is ushered by the angels. Look at Luke chapter 16, 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is paradise. So you die, and there's all of a sudden going to come some angels, and they're going to just say, hey, let me take you in my arms, and I'm going to take you right up into heaven, and they're going to go right to heaven. Another thing that happens here, the believer dies, the soul is given a new tent. Now, is that the glorified body yet? Because the resurrection hasn't happened yet. So we die today, there's no resurrection, so when... We die, God gives us, it, 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 this is what it is explained as in 2 Corinthians 5.1, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And we will recognize each other. When Elijah and Moses appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus recognized them. It's like, who are you guys? And maybe they looked at each other and Moses said to Elijah, who, who are you? Oh, oh, you're Elijah? Moses. They recognized each other. They knew each other in heaven. And then we will be brought, we will be brought into the presence of Jesus. We will be home with the Lord. Isn't it good to go home? You know, when you travel and you've been traveling maybe for some time. Isn't it good to go home? There's no place like home, right? Who, who said that, right? I think she went like this and said, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Right? In 2 Corinthians 5, 8, it says, to be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. We will be with the Lord and we will also be with other believers who have died in the Lord. We will be with Moses, we will be with Paul, we will be with Mary, we will be with Peter, we will be with John, we will be with Mary Magdalene, but we will be with each other. And that is 1 Thessalonians 5.10, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together. Notice the words we. We will live together with him. And that is everything else that looks forward. Let me give you, I want to give you just, I'll give you just another couple and then I'll wrap up. You know, he's got a mansion for you. We all want a nice place to live, right? We need a nice place to live for all eternity. By the way, he's been up there for the last 2,000 years preparing that. He's been preparing a place. Look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way you know. He created the heavens and earth in seven days. He's been up there for 2,000 years. Could you imagine what he is creating for you? 
And let me tell you, it's going to be in a great neighborhood. I just want to assure you of that. You're not going to have noisy neighbors. You're not going to have neighbors whose dogs poop on your lawn. I want to promise you that. That's not going to be the, the case. They're, they're not going to leave their newspapers right on your, on your lawn. It's going to be a great place to live. Last everything. The end of all suffering. Amen. Revelation 21.4 describes it this way. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, you're not going to remember the pain here. Every tear will be wiped away. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for former things have passed away. Right? So all that has come to us, and everything else. I have one more thing. Can I give you one more thing? And then we'll share communion. One more thing. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Say that with me. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Notice immeasurably more, immeasurably more than you can imagine, immeasurably more than you can think up, immeasurably more than you can conjure up in your mind or you can fathom beyond your wildest dreams, beyond your wildest imagination, bigger, better, greater, more awesome, more fantastic, more wonderful, than the most wonderful things that you can envision. He's got something really wow prepared for us. He really does. For the minor things we suffer in this life, there is an eternity that we will have with him forever. And it has all come to us through the cross. Through those six hours that Friday through the three nails, through the spear that pierced his side, through the tree that he hung on, through seven words that he spoke, his blood, that to me is something to be thankful for every day, right? Every day. Amen? And if you haven't opened your heart to Jesus, he loves you. Open your heart and invite him in and all that he's done for you on the cross. Just take him into your life as your Lord and Savior. He will come in. You'll begin a new relationship with him. And he'll begin to manifest those blessings. Let's take of the cup. Let's take of the bread. The uh, worship team can come up.
So on that night, the Lord Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said to them, take this, all of you, and eat this, for this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me and remembrance of our Lord's broken body. Let us all partake. And then the Lord took the cup. He gave it to his disciples. He said to them, Take this, all of you, and drink this, for this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. He said, Do this in remembrance of me, for his blood is his life that he gave for us. Let us all drink and drink in the very life of the Lord on this Good Friday night. Let's all partake. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus, for his death on the cross, and all that has come to us through it. He has given us, Lord God, all things and everything. Lord, let us be thankful this night and every day for what you've done for us. Let us rejoice in the Lord, for he is good. Amen. Folks, as we close, the altars are open if you would like to come forward for prayer. You just want to come closer to Jesus. You're welcome to. There's something special about kneeling. It's been a special place for many years. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, the altars are open for you. Please take advantage of this time to just continue to center your heart upon what the Lord has done and who he is.
You know, we started this church many years ago on a good Friday night. That's when we organized. Great night, right? To organize a church on the night he died for us, the day he died for us. May God the Father, Son, and Spirit go with you all. And may you always just be thankful. Thankful every day. Don't let a day pass when you are not thankful for all that he's done for you on the cross, for his blood, for his death, for his atoning sacrifice. Jesus, bring us all home safely tonight. Bless Lord God, Holy Saturday. And may Lord God, we all come together and rejoice with you that you are risen. In Jesus' name, amen.